You almost called it the kick around. I almost did, yes. <laughs> I have too many things going on in my head. <laughs> Third Degree, the podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90. That is your source for all things FC Dallas, U.S. national team, and international club and national team gear. They got jerseys, they got scarves, they got tees, they got keychains, they got stickers. Oh, wait, that's all part of more. So they just got more. So don't forget that. Because you are a third degree listener, you're going to get 25% off all that gear when you use the code third degree at checkout at soccer90.com. Well, hello there, off-season FC Dallas Curious Fan. Welcome to another episode, number 137, of Third Degree, the podcast. Hi, it's me, Peter, and just chilling in the off-season, it's me and my two buddies, first, Dan Crook. Hello, Dan. Hey, how's the off-season treating you? Pretty damn sweet, I might say. Pretty damn sweet. Yeah, noise for sure. And your hero, my hero, everybody's hero, editor, founder, and the good guy all the way around, the amazing Buzz Carrick. Hello, Buzz. Hi, Peter. I'm actually pleasantly surprised by how much we have to talk about today. We do have an amazing amount of stuff, considering we are already done with a season. The 2021 trash fire, second worst in club history, is now over. We can look forward to bigger and better things. And... We got to watch our uh, beloved Pepe play in yet another World Cup qualifier. In fact, since we last talked, he's played in two of them, amazingly, including U.S.-Mexico. <laughs> and I still, uh, no matter how many times I say it, it never gets easier. I can't believe that Ricardo Pepe is playing in World Cup qualifiers of this level of importance at the age of 18 as a starting striker. It just blows me away. Well, he certainly uh, has done enough of late, and we always talk about hot form, you know, being the thing that gets you into national teams and gets you selected, and definitely he was as hot as it could be when he first got in. And a lot of the things he does off ball are quality, you know, and he fits the kind of shape that Berhalter wants to play. That's just as important as anything else. So um, he's doing well. Didn't score any of of those two games, but he's doing well other than that. So he'll probably continue to be the guy. All right, Dan, I don't know if you're – fully a neutral in this but uh do you have any of uh, opinions on Pepe's performances in those two games no because i didn't watch either of them uh I... <gasps> yeah i know unfortunately i was at work for the second one i was gonna watch it but then i got a text message from my phone network that said hey you've been using too much data and we're gonna throttle you for the next two days no <laughs> oh. yeah. you're not on the unlimited plan it is, but it's like after 20 gigs, it, uh, 20 gigs? it pulls you back a little bit. What are you doing? Wow. That's so not unlimited, by the way. There. You're being shystered. I, I know, but it's cheap. Okay. All right. Uh, well, after the uh, uh, today, after the Jamaica game, uh, you know, I, I like to listen to other people's podcasts and stuff. And one of the ones many people may be surprised, but yes, I have been listening to Grant Wall's podcast. First off, if you haven't listened to his Freddie Adu series podcast that he did, the uh, like eight-part series, it's really actually quite good. Um, a couple of hiccups with it, but overall it's really good. But the, what he's been doing recently 
is doing post-game podcasts, kind of like we've been doing with the kick around. But the attraction isn't Grant. It's because he is Landon Donovan, of all people. And Landon is really, really good in the fact that he's genuine and he's balanced and he's fair. But if he's upset about something, he'll call players out. He was, you know, obviously got a lot of media attention and a lot of fan hatred for his uh, opinions on the Weston McKenney suspension and really kind of throwing some darts at Weston. And he continues to catch flack for that, but use it to his advantage and kind of making points about how important Weston is to the team. The reason why I'm talking about all of this is, is that in the podcast that they recorded last night after the Jamaica game, Grant brought up the fact that he's hearing through a lot of sources that it is very clear to him that Ricardo Pepe is going to leave FC Dallas in January for a European club. Now, which one it is, he's not 100% sure. He kind of feels like it's going to be um, uh, Wolfsburg. Uh, but did I say that right? Yeah. Did I say that right? Is it Wolfsburg? Wolfsburg is yeah. certainly one of the clubs that's talking to him, yes. Yeah, okay. I, but whichever. There's a German club. Maybe I've got the club wrong, but... He was really into that, but he asked the question about, is Pepe leaving in a World Cup year a good or a bad idea? And he asked Landon that question. And, and in, in part of Landon's answer, I think there's a whole bunch of really fascinating conversations to have about what really is the best outcome for Ricardo in terms of what he does in January. And Landon's long answer was essentially, I do think it's the best thing for him to do. He needs to go over there, and he needs to give it a try, even on a World Cup year. But I did wonder, Buzz, if you think, it, it, is that the best path for him? Do you think that, that you know playing time and ensuring that you would be a starting player through the rest of 2022 leading up to the World Cup is something he would absolutely get in Dallas, but is that the best solve for him? I think that it is absolutely vital that he's playing consistently leading up to the World Cup. Now, you guaranteed that in Dallas. One of the reasons why I have said the type of club that I want him to go to in Europe, if he is going now, is very important. Because you want it to be not an overreach where you go to a landmark, monumental, international mega power and then don't play. You know, you can see, for example, I'm just going to use Liverpool because that's a famous name. If he if that was the one he chose, you could easily see him going there and not playing in that mm -hmm. squad. That squad is amazing. Now, I'm sure they would have a plan. I'm sure they would have a loan or 23s or whatever. I mean, that's, you know, that's not the point. The point is that a club like Wolfsburg, uh, potentially, or a club like Ajax, potentially, or if you want to look at the Brian Reynolds example, Club Bruges, where you knew that he was going to be playing because in a way Reynolds is a precursor to what Pepe is doing here. Reynolds at the time he went was in the conversation at right back with the national team. He hadn't broken in yet, but he was in that conversation and he hasn't played since. Now, if he'd have gone to Bruges and played every minute, maybe he would be in that conversation. Maybe he'd get in call-ups ahead of Yedlin or Shaq Moore or, or Cannon. Right. So the same thing is true with Pepe. If Pepe makes a choice to go to Europe now, he may be playing against a better level of competition. Absolutely. If he goes to Wolfsburg, he certainly will be. But he has to make the right choice where the coach is invested in you personally and wants to play you as much as possible. Because I totally believe that if you are sitting the bench and stagnating for the next year, you're not going to be in the World Cup team uh, come Dubai. All right. So, Dan. 
My, uh, would you consider that Pepe is actually get? Do you think in Pepe's team there is the option for him to stay at Dallas, especially when you tack on the the almost laughable consistency in Dan Hunt's uh, public statements that his intention is is that Pepe is staying for the twenty two season. I mean. There's no point in putting anything into what Dan Hunt's saying. He's saying what he has to say. If he said, yeah, we're getting rid of Pepe, he's going. Um, he loses any and all leverage in, in any deal he's trying to make. Uh, you know, I think Pepe's got a lot of things to consider. Uh, you, Buzz mentioned Brian Reynolds. That's a pretty stacked uh right back situation when you've got Cannon, Scally, Yedlin, Shackmore, you know, Tyler Adams can slot in there, uh Lima can play there, Dest. The US doesn't have that luxury of strikers. Uh, the most informed MLS American striker aside from Pepe was Josie Outdoor. Josie Outdoor's not getting back in that team. So you've got uh Daryl DK, who was the flavor of the month, and now Greg Berhalter doesn't seem to like him anymore. You've got uh, uh, PFOC, you've got a couple of others who are more maybe suited Sergeant. to, to play now. <sighs> yeah, the, the great train robbery that is Josh Sargent. <laughs> well, what if, for example, Pepe goes over there and doesn't play for the next year, and Jesus well, stays the- here and plays... 30 games at striker and bangs in 12, 13, 14 goals. Yeah. Which one's going to get mean, the call up? It's, it's totally feasible that, that Jesus could sneak in front of him. It's, it's a very delicate situation. He's just got that luxury of the U.S. is still searching for the Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan replacement types. Okay. So let me ask you, let me throw in a whole other uh, element to consider in this, which is if you're a peppy, and his family and his team, how much of the uncertainty and the instability of the current FC Dallas situation, the unknown of who's going to manage this club, uh, what is the likelihood that they're going to bring in decent roster parts to support the team, you know, all of those other things that we all talk about in and out of this team not being very good, is it even, can you make the argument that that's not even really an option for Pepe at this point because does it help him to be playing on a you know a team struggling to make the playoffs in MLS? I think in a way he's playing with house money. Um, if FC Dallas is trash again, then likely he's the bright spot in a very bad team again, and that's that's done pretty well for him this season. I mean, his talent has obviously has gotten to that point, but. You know, he hasn't had the the sort of star power around him that maybe would, you know, push him a little bit further back in the pecking order, like like Jesus had had up until really the very end of the season when his his good form for much of the season started to get recognised. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, it's kind of the I was going to say the gamble is kind of the same of going to like a. a you know, uh, like a, a secondary league, like a Belgium or a Portugal, where really the standards kind of just step in aside, other than one or two really good teams. Uh, you know, we've seen 
maybe not or not a like for like situation, but we've seen uh, Brandon uh, Brandon Savania go on on a loan to a, an awful team and just get swallowed up in that in that entire situation, and then Thomas Roberts to a degree. Yeah, what I would say would be that the the badness of the FC Dallas team is in the defense. That if Pepe stays here, the offense was still pretty good last year, and it'll be pretty good next year, and he'll bang in bags of goals. And they're also pretty confident in the kid's ability. So I don't think that there's a risk for Pepe to stay here uh, because the problems here are not of an offensive nature. They're of a defensive nature. Yeah, but how much do we really but but how much do we really know, Buzz? We have we don't have any idea who the coach is going to be. What if it's a what what if they bring in a completely different coach that installs a completely different system? I'm just trying to think of it from Pepe's situation and trying to balance out what is the best move for his career. And the other question I have is how much of Pepe's decision making is about the long term value of his career versus just chasing his first World Cup at the age of eight team well the answer to the first part of the question is it doesn't matter who the coach is Andre Zanata's in charge he's picking the roster he's picking the way the team's playing he's hiring a coach to coach this team the way he wants it to be coached because he says this team is really good so the the co- they're not going to pick a coach that's going to come in here and completely change the system and completely change the roster they're going to hire a coach that's going to come in here and agree that oh yeah Andre you're the guy these players are awesome that's why they changed to Marco he was the guy that was like oh yeah I can coach up these guys they're plenty good enough that's what you're going to get. And the, the the big question with Pepe, of course, should be, what's your long-term career about? This is all part of it. But in the short term, like making a World Cup team, the opportunity to make a World Cup team is so incredibly rare. And for a guy like Pepe, who could be as good as we think he could be, he wants to maintain the momentum of his rise. And that includes getting into this World Cup team because he'll be 20? 19? I'd have to look. Uh, it'll be, be 19, yeah. Yeah, so like the chance for him to play in two, three World Cups if he gets this right, you know, and, and increasing his value and making money for his family. I mean, you've read those articles about how his family has sacrificed everything for him. You know, it's all about maximizing value long-term, and part of that is making a World Cup team. Exposure. Also, you can learn a lot from those environments, even if you don't start, if you're just in the team, but specifically if you start, it's such a different environment, different level. You know, I think it is important. Okay. So when Dan Hunt, like he did on uh, the radio show earlier this week and in his, at the, uh, the VIP, uh, whatever thing that they, event they held, where he gets up in front of everybody and says, hey, it's our intent to have him here for next season. He's under contract. That's just him blowing smoke trying to get a better deal, right? That's the, he's not really serious about that. Well... There's a couple of thoughts about that. One is that it's a power move to get more money now. Two, he's trying to sell tickets for his team. He doesn't want to be seen as a guy who's dumping players and all about the money. Three, they're really, I know, I'm telling you what he's saying. I know, not I whether know. It's, it's not, you didn't ask me, is he right? You said, what's he doing? It, it, you can't blame me for laughing because it is pretty funny. Yeah. The, the third thing is that he might actually be serious because he is correct that there is a good benefit to Pepe to be here and be playing all the time, which we just discussed for 10 minutes. But he also wants to, I think, take advantage of the Pepe hype train for a year leading up to the World Cup, right? And sell that idea and get on board and all that kind of vibe. I think he legitimately wants to keep the guy. Now, in the end, it's not all up to him. 
Clark has more juice. Sonata will factor. A new head coach will factor. But mostly Pepe's going to factor. So it's not Dan Clark's decision whether Pepe stays or not. Even if they don't sell Pepe, players have done crazy-ass stuff like just walk. You know, <laughs> it's not really a good thing to do, but it can happen. You know, it takes everybody to agree. So, you know, there's lots of factors in going into Dan, what Dan is saying. And like I always say, you have to take when a team spokesman is talking, you have to take at least at minimum a massive grain of salt that they're spinning and perhaps just outright lying. So, you know, I'm sure Dan, Chun, Dan Hunt has an agenda. I'm sure he has a reason why he's saying all these things. I'm sure Peppy's people have a reason why they're leaking this stuff like crazy all over the place uh, with all these deal options or whatever and clubs or this or that and the other thing. So everyone's playing loose and fast here on this one. I think the more that Peppy's people talk, the more Dan Hunt will talk. And I think it'll be messier publicly than it will be privately because everybody knows how this kind of thing goes. You know, I still think it's far more likely he's gone than that he's staying it's just there is a reason why he might stay but i don't think you're going to be able to convince him i think he thinks the way to go is to go so all right so just retaking your temperature again dan based on everything we talked about he's are you still of the impression he's leaving or going or staying i think he's going that sounds very definitive um i mean We've seen so many of the young guys come through the academy, and that's their mindset. And um, you know, I know we're gonna we're gonna broach the subject later on of uh, Tanner Tessman's podcast jump chat. But one thing they talked about was every guy that comes through the academy knows that the goal is to get to Europe. That's what it is. That is a good tease for something we will talk about in a bit. All right, so we'll uh, keep everybody posted on whatever we learn about young Ricardo Pepe and his pending deal to go someplace else. Now, last week we promoted and promised that we'd be handing out some awards. Why we would hand awards out for such a shitty season, I don't know, but this is Buzz's podcast, so we're going to do it anyway. Buzz, you have given us a list of four things to provide uh, awards for. Uh, you want to do them in the order that is in your red crayon written run sheet? Uh, sure, unless you have a better order. No, no, no. I think this is a perfectly good order. Uh, so we'll start off with the big giant award of them all. Most valuable player of the year. Dan, who is your MVP of the 2021 FC Dallas season? Well, I've never seen a nine-pointed star drawn next to the word MVP before. Um, <laughs> sorry, uh, it's uh, it's got to be the, the guy we've just been talking about, Ricardo Pepe. Interesting. Would you like to submit any supporting, uh, supporting evidence as to why you feel that's the case? Yeah, because his future transfer fee is literally the most valuable player. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well stated. Your case is well made, sir. Buzz, you, well, here, I'll give you mine first. Uh, my MVP of the season is Jesus Ferreira, just because I think he's had a, a, a great season and because maybe he will be here next year. I don't know. Although maybe I'm starting to feel like maybe he won't be here next year. Uh, Buzz, who's your MVP? No, I'm with you. I got Jesus. I, okay. I think the greater percentage of the season, he played at a higher level, particularly when Pepe was gone. He was carrying this team. Uh, the very best moments of the season, I think, have come when Jesus was on fire. And as the year went on, he got better and better. So I'm with you. Jesus is my MVP. Okay. 
Uh, Defender of the year. Uh, I will go first. I will say uh, absolutely for me, it is Nikosi Tafari for all the reasons I had ranted and raved about over the course of the last few months. Um, Buzz, who's your defender of the year? Ibento Omasi. Oh, wow. That's a good shout. I like that one. Yeah, I, I think he had a, once he got over his, you know, whatever was the ish health issue or whatever it was in the offseason and then able to, was able to get fit, I think he rapidly dem- demonstrated exactly why I expected him to be the starting right back of the, the season this year. He led the league in uh, duels, um, like not duels, sorry, successful dribbles uh, as a percentage. Uh, the whole league, any position, not right backs. Um and just had a phenomenal season in the modern style uh, that you would want. Now it is the first season, you know, he has room to improve. Uh, there's things that he can be better at for sure. But I think he's my defender of the year uh, for this year. All right, Dan. I'm going to agree with you, Peter. I'm going to say Nikosi Tafari. Uh, you know, he's, he's looked the part, um, you know, when he did play, uh, Really, Marco had that kind of eat crow moment where he said, hey, I want a guy to come in and prove me wrong uh, the last game of the season after Nikosi had uh, you know, that great recovery uh, to stop the run from, I can't forget, I can't remember who the striker is, uh, around the halfway line, breaking away from a set piece. But most of all, um, he's, he's made a La Liga defender and arguably the greatest player in the history of the the franchise look expendable well stated once again sir all right next one is breakout player and buzz i'm gonna let you go first on this one yeah nikosi tafari uh i i you know coming into the season i don't think anyone would have expected nikosi to become a starting player you know i if you'd have told me he's gonna play in 20 games, I would have been, wow, that's, that's a lot of subs for a center back. Never would have occurred to me that he ended up starting 21. Um, the kid broke out in every way you can think of as a center back. He became, for me now, an automatic first choice going forward in the player to build around. So he went from a guy that I was not even sure could play an MLS at all to now a guy who I want to be the cornerstone of your defense. So for me, that's breakout player. All right, interesting. Okay, Dan, who do you have for breakout player? Uh, I'm actually gonna say uh, for the second time, Jesus Ferreira because he's you know he had that that year playing as the nine looked fantastic, and then really receded, and now he looks like a world beater. Now he's kind of had that that breakout moment of hey, uh, okay, now I'm now I'm here now I. Now I could potentially be uh, an MLS MVP if I'm here long enough. Now I've got teams talking about me. Now I've, you know, now he's made his uh, uh, competitive debut for the national team. I think this is this is kind of like the, you know, he's he's finally announced himself on the scene for real. So you're saying it's the second coming of Jesus. <laughs> it's it's so, is that exactly what you're that. Yeah, we just <laughs> had to wait a lot more than of- three days. Coming of Jesus. Well, see, I think that's. I I think this is one that's easy to overthink because I, I never would have considered Jesus, but I certainly thought of Tafari. But I, and for what I think breakout means, I I don't know how you don't vote for Ricardo Pepe. 
Uh, because I think, you know, based on all the media attention, I mean, he was the only thing that drove any sort of attention towards this this direction to this club. Um, and then obviously with the national team and everything else, I, I, I think at least based on how I perceive this particular category, I'm going to vote for Ricardo Pepe. The last one is Young Player of the Year. And uh, I'm if I'm going to give it for breakout, I'm going to have to give it to Ricardo for Young Player. Uh, Dan, who do you have for Young Player? I mean, I guess it's got to be Pepe, right? <laughs> 18 years old. Uh, Don't sound I so bitter about it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm just trying to diversify my picks. And, and you know, that's the one you really can't. There's there's a few options, but you're going to have to name someone for the second time. Okay. And Buzz? Yeah. Are you going to go for the hat trick? I'm going with Pepe as young player, too. The national award he was actually nominated for as well. So that's, you know, young player of the year, yeah. Okay. Uh, we don't have any goofy awards to give out, but you know who wants. I mean, to if be? you want to come up with one, go ahead. No, I don't feel like being Coach goofy after year. this crap season. Um, all right, playoff talk. Well, before we get into playoffs and stuff, the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, was the news tonight that Ezra Hendrickson, apparently, uh, according I don't remember which person officially reported this, but I've seen it all over the Twitter, is taking the fire job up in Chicago and. And he obviously was one that we had heard his name bantied about in consideration for Dallas. But in the last 24 hours, with Mexico losing, double losing over this particular window, I think there's a lot of people thinking that Tata Martinez uh, is uh, in trouble with Mexico and he might be available. And then the uh, Tom Bogert from MLS uh, Soccer's website tweeted out that Hugo Perez is interested in an MLS gig. And uh, I got to say, man, uh, how the Hunts don't hire one of those two guys, and obviously Ugo's the far more likely just based off of probably what it would cost to get Tata to come to Dallas if he'd even want to, um, is the more likely one. And I'm really, really concerned now that what we're going to get in whatever amount of time is just them rolling out somebody already in the organization. And I, and I was wondering on y'all's uh, opinion about that, Buzz. Well, I'm with you that Tata, no way, uh, way too expensive. Um, also, every piece of chatter I've ever heard about him is the only reason he took the Atlanta job is because he wanted the U.S. job. And he and then didn't get a phone interview even for the U.S. job. So, like, he's not coming back to MLS, in my opinion. Uh, and he's certainly not taking the money for the, the, the SC Dallas job is. Um, now, Hugo Perez, I am all in on that. I That guy, for me, has been saying loudly some of the things that have been wrong for with the U.S. system for years and no one's been listening to him. Uh, and uh, he's done a phenomenal job with the with the is it El Salvador's who he just coached. He's done a really nice job with them, although they're not very good. He's done a really nice job with them and what they have available. Um, I definitely think he would be terrific. I think probably just like it always is, it's going to be the internal candidates. Now, um, Daniel Robertson did say that and he would know because he worked for the team at the time that Ugo uh, interviewed for the FC Dallas job when Lucci got hired. So there is a previous interview. So you know that at some point he was at least a candidate at that point. So that makes him somewhat legitimate now. I think that you have to consider Tab Ramos because he was a candidate last time under Lucci until he found out how little the job paid. Um, but you know, at some point they were, he was a finalist as far as I know that time around. So they obviously thought 
enough of him at the time to at least get that far. And he is out of work, so maybe he would be interested. So those are the outside the organization guys that I think make sense. The Jason Christ thing, which I know is going to come up again later. Uh, I just don't, I still think there's too much bad blood between Jason and the organization. They've started to repair that, um, and I'd love to see it happen, but I just don't think it's going to happen. So I think Marco, if I'm going to be purely analytical from the outside, I think that eight-game trial, if you will, did not go well enough for him to be a legit contender. So uh, I think it's basically down to, as near as I can tell, Quill and whoever outside they find legit like Ugo or Todd, perhaps. Hmm. Uh, Dan, have you heard any other chatter since we last talked about this or any other insight you want to throw in here? None. Sorry, I've uh, gone into hibernation with the off season. Well, that's helpful for the FC Dallas podcast. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've, I've, uh, I haven't heard anything from anyone. I'm, I'm not in. Uh, I'm not privileged to be in in those loops, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it does. I, I am not looking forward to the press conference where they make an announcement and they roll out Eric Quill or Chewy, and they talk about and Dan talks about how they interviewed all these guys with champions league experience and european experience and world cup experience and we find out that they maybe didn't even try to talk to tata uh, to tata or you know they passed on ugo perez i that yeah uh, well, if you're if you're a season ticket holder or a fan of this club man nothing would chat my ass more than than hearing dan run through that conversation again. well look i think it's part of our job to educate people and consider if you're in the coaching circles uh, in this country, the kind of coach that would be up for getting actually getting this gig, then you would know that Andre Zanata is pulling the strings here, that Andre Zanata is picking the players, and that the organization already has a style of play that runs through the entire academy in North Texas and FC Dallas. They have a system. All those things are on in place. So if you're Tata, are you going to come here? and play second fiddle to Zanata in terms of picking the roster? No, no way. You're certainly not going to do it about the money that the Hunts, we know, pay relatively on the low end of the coaching scale here in the league. We know of coaches, that, including Ty Ramos, who've said, LOL, no thanks about the money. So you have to understand these things if you're a fan of this club. You have to have your eyes open and know that that's the way it is. Now, gr granted, it stinks, sure, but... You know, let's be real that this is how it is going to be. Yes, and I have a feeling there'll be a lot of wailing and gnashing and teeth and bitching on at least on my part. Uh, when there will be on lots of people's happens. parts, but it's like you, you at least admit, at least accept that you won't be surprised by it, right? You shouldn't be surprised by it if that's what it is. No, that's 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 right. true. If yeah. they end up if they end up with some uh, South American guy that I only may know just from a couple of headlines or something, I may be more surprised by that than I would be an Eric Quill or Chewy yeah. or, or Peter Lucene that's, announcement. That's the other idea, right? Is that has got one of his guys coming in one of his boys from South America. So the, yeah. uh, and that, that would surprise me a little more than the hunt's desire for trust and familiarity. And, and, and they're, they're letting what, what it's not the chiefs, but it's still their multi-million dollar franchise be run by a person. They want to have trust, right? They, they put out all this noise about family and we run. I mean, we all know a lot of it's garbage, but still this is their hunt Lamar hunt legacy club, right? So 
They want to put it in the hands of a guy that they have trust in a relationship in. And you know that's, pro or I assume that's not one of Zanata's boys from South America. I assume it's not Tata. I assume it's somebody, it could have been Ezra because of that 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 sort of relationship he played for them. Like, so if you can come up with it, like if, if Brian Bliss were available, you could convince me that would be a guy. Or somebody from the Kansas City run, you know, that was there when they owned that team. You know, you could you could convince me that it could be one of those guys. Then I could buy into some of these other ideas. But until you can provide me like a connection, not you, just as people in general can provide me with some sort of connection and make me feel like the tr the Hunts will trust somebody with their franchise, but I'm going to assume it's going to be somebody they know already. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, we'll see. I have no idea when they're going to make a decision. I have a feeling it's it's not going to be for a while. Uh, the other thing that came out, I guess, did this start last night? Was this weird rumor? You know, this whole thing about Zanata and Gremio and this weird relationship between him and that club and these weird transactions that have been going on are such red flags to me, by the way. Um, I... I I, there's just something that does not smell right about all of that, and I don't know who's who's getting uh, what kind of grift is being run here. It just it all just feels very strange. But the newest rumor is now Gremio is in such terrible financial situation because apparently they bought Tiago Santos back and he ruined the team, and now they're <laughs> getting relegated. And Gremio needs money, and because they owe Dallas money, instead of well, since you won't take Philippe in a deal how about we give you or sell you one of our best players and i don't even know who this guy is but maybe you can help sort all this out buzz yeah he's a 22 year old 23 year old brazilian winger usually on the left his name is i can't believe this ferreira to spell exactly the same way as jesus's name is spelled and his dad's name is spelled and for really fun the kid kazu that plays from north texas his name is ferreira also so, I wonder if he pronounces it differently, though, because that's always the great mystery is how yeah. is it pronounced? Because I am convinced I, re I distinctly remember David telling us back in the burn days that it was pronounced for Ray versus however, whatever the difference yeah. is between how his son and how he pronounces it. <laughs> well, his son's American, you know, and so he probably Americanizes it. And then the two, the kid from North Texas and this kid from Gremio are both Brazilian. So I'm sure there'll be some difference, but it's spelled the same. Somebody joked today, I can't remember who it was on Twitter, I'd give him credit, that the, the Hunts are trying to corner the market in Ferreras, which is funny. So, <laughs> you know, they're going to sign them all. But um, they like that clever yeah. uh, the guy in the stands that has that cool flag that's the Ferreira <laughs> yeah. Ferrari flag. Yeah. So, you know, the, what you hope for, and, and listen, if this wasn't Gremio, it would just be one of a million players that get linked, and one out of 10 of these are real. But when it's Gremio, because Zanata was there, you have to pay a little more attention. So we put a little more attention on this. The report has is very specific about who the player is, and it talks about Santos, and it talks about Philippe and the monies and all this other thing. So, um, you know, for whatever value it is, which is not much, transfer market says and it has an eight million dollar valuation on him. I'm sure that's inaccurate. I'm also sure that because they still owe some money for Thiago Santos, apparently, that you can get that part discounted. I'm sure they're desperate for money. Like most of the clubs in Brazil are desperate for money. Gremio is also about to be even more desperate for money. So they're looking to dump players. This kid's 23. Um, you know, so this, in a way, though, if you will, Peter, it goes back to the idea we used to say about Dallas prior to Zanata arrival. We liked these younger signings with upside. This is Barrios, it's Castillo, it's 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 that kind of vibe. A young, what we consider younger here, 
I mean, in a world sense, 23 is not young, but to us, it still is. It's still a player that can progress. So this is the kind of guy I would like this signing to be real, you know, of the ones that get linked. This is much more the right kind of speed. Um, you know, we'd like to see Paxton come inside. Shun looks great out there, but you always want multiple options. This guy's also played some on the right. Dallas likes to flip-flop wings all the time, so it's nice to have more of them. So there's a lot to like about it. I hope it is legit. Uh, Dan, you got any insight on this particular deal or thoughts on it? Or do you agree uh, with me that this whole uh, Zanata Gremio thing smells bad? Uh, it seems weird, and uh, certainly if you're making up rumors, it's the, uh, the easy link uh, just to... You know, to, to try and link every uh, Grimio player to Sonata. Uh, you know, he's, he was he was linked with a $9 million move to, to Atlanta. Uh, and now they're talking about, oh, yeah, they'll waive the fee because they're just trying to get, uh, you know, just trying to do a salary dump in preparation for this relegation. And, I mean, I don't know. That's, it seems uh, seems a little bit uh, crazy for anyone to say, "Hey, we're strapped for cash, but we're gonna say we're gonna give you this nine million dollar guy for next to nothing." Now we've made reference to it uh, a few times, but I don't even remember how I became aware of it. I stumbled across, or somebody posted, or something, uh, the Chum Chat podcast which is tanner tessman's podcast along with one of the gomez brothers is that what it yep. is johan gomez the older the forward one that went to porto and now he's at uh in germany right. somewhere yeah which gets me confused because when they say gojo i assume that meant the kid that the other one jogo brother, yeah right? jogo jogo yeah. um and, and uh so they did an episode a couple weeks ago uh, and it was the two of them. And then they also had a third guy who I guess plays at SMU, formerly with the FC Dallas Academy. His name yep. is Judson. Is that Just, his name? Yep, Judson Burns. He, those three guys were best pals at the Academy, and they started that podcast together um, under the auspice so, of telling people what it's like to pursue pro careers. That's their jam. Okay. Now, Judson is the one that didn't make it because he's essentially still f- – goofing off in college ball and he he went one place and didn't make it there clemson is that what he where he went yeah clemson uh gee i wonder how that deal got done and then um and and then ended up back at smu and where did you say uh johan is now well he started at porto and got up to the porto b team and then he got an offer in germany and i i want to say it's the division third division but it's the first team and he does play so it's you know progression he's working his way up yeah and then of course we all know tanner's story Blah, blah, blah. But the reason why I thought this podcast was fascinating, and I think anybody that has any level of interest uh, in this club should watch this, was the conversation between those guys that w- that went on. It starts at about the eight-minute mark of uh, this, and they start talking about the coaching situation and who's going to be the next coach, and they all throw in their two cents of who they think it might be. Uh, and I'm have, you, have both of you guys watched this? I did. Dan, did you watch it? The chum chat, yeah. Okay, so I'm just interested in y'all. I mean, are you guys as fascinated by it as I am? Well, the thing I particularly love about the whole podcast, and I don't remember which part you're going to talk about, just in general, any episode they do, is that the three guys each have a different perspective because their careers have gone different ways. But they're very willing and open to talk about stuff behind the curtain, to talk about what players think, to talk about what it's like. They're not it's not fluff. It's like legitimate, honest, open conversation about their experiences. And that part is phenomenal. 
Dan? Yeah, I mean, just to echo what Buzz said, I mean, um, certainly I listen to uh, a lot of the early ones. Uh, I'm not the best podcast listener, ironically said on a podcast. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was, it's always it's, it's good to get that, that insight, even just the... The, the mindset of how players react to playing in front of big crowds, little crowds, you know, how they deal with the, the tiny adversities that maybe people don't think go into a performance. Yeah. I, this week's or this particular episode was fascinating to me. First off, just because of, you know, there's lots, there's lots of body language that can be read because it's also on video, by the way, you don't have to listen to it. You can actually go to their website and watch the podcast being recorded which adds this really interesting element because if you're into watching people's body language and facial reactions, you can kind of tell when people are being legit, honest, and genuine and when people are kind of holding back or, uh, you know, and, and when they start having conversations about Lucci, man, there's all kinds of crazy body language going on there. I, did you pick up on that, Buzz? Uh, not particularly. I, I, I was not why I, I was watching the video, but I was not focused on their body position. I yeah, will there's there, at the beginning of it. There's this whole conversation about what like Tanner starts the conversation about, like, what do you think Lucci's thinking right now? And uh, Johan says, see, maybe it wasn't me. Maybe I wasn't the fault. And you can kind of look over at Tanner and Tanner's got an interesting reaction to that comment. And now the problem is the Judson kid. I think he's sitting in an airport. Uh, you know, waiting area, and he's got his mask on. So you really can't see, and he's got a goofy Gen Z haircut going on. Yeah. And so I can't really read him very well. But, man, I think there's all sorts of stuff you can you can speculate on in terms of uh, Tanner's reaction to that conversation, and Johan, too, for that matter, since he probably played under Lucci at some point. Yeah, he played for Lucci in the academy. You know, Lucci was instrumental in getting him to the level that he was where he could go to Europe. Um, Johan at least had some level of conversation about a North Texas deal. I don't think that there was a homegrown deal on the table for him. Uh, and he got the chance to go to Porto and then jumped on it. Uh, Tanner, um, Tanner expressed exactly what I've always heard from Lucci himself, the, the pragmatism of the job. I had conversations with Lucci about how he felt about his job security and such a thing. And he's like, you know, we're in a very competitive business. We always have to be assuming that we could lose our jobs any minute. And Tanner reflected that idea. And this obviously is something that Lucci, based on his what Tanner said, Lucci's expressed, even when he was in the academy, that you never know when a player is going to come in and replace you. And that for sure is a problem, not a problem, but something that they deal with in the academy because they recruit at the U-17 and the U-19 level sometimes. You could you could have played your whole life in the FC Dallas Academy first team and been the guy. And then you get to the year new U-19 year, and here's Chris Richards taking your spot. So it happens in the academy. And I'm sure that he's talked about that mentality. And I'm sure Lucy has that mentality. I'm sure he's not crying into his teacup somewhere. You know, I'm sure he's actively getting a job. He was listed today as one of the candidates for the RSL job. So I, I love the insight those guys have in that podcast. It's phenomenal. Yeah, the and I think probably the one part of the conversation that might be the most relevatory uh, for anybody interested in the club is the extremely honest, if not almost painful, conversation about their allegiances to the club. And uh, the question asked of how much do they really care about FC Dallas as a brand and a club and what it means to them. And some real honest talk about, 
you know, and it kind of varies. And again, I think to your point, Buzz, you may want to throw a little bit of uh, in kind of side eye on the on the reaction, like the Judson kid, the one guy that never got an offer to be, you know, a contract offer for the club, at least that I know of. Uh, is the oh, kid yeah. that's like, yeah, I don't give, I don't care about that place. I mean, I, I yeah. appreciate the time and I love my former teammates, but I'm not a, I'm not a fan. And Johan's a little bit less like that. And Tanner kind of deflects the answer, but then he kind of, you can tell by his reaction, he kind of needs to say something positive. So he kind of comes back and throws some love on the club. Yeah. I thought it was directly correlated how much they each love the club with how much contract, how much money they got. Money the and, <laughs> yeah. Tanner was the most, he's the one that got the first team deal and got moved to Valencia. Uh, Johan was second where he at least was got, he got to play for North Texas SC as an amateur. He, he probably, some of the exposure he got led him to Europe and Judson, who was one of those guys who by the time he was a senior was uh, in high school was starting to lose out on opportunities. And while he went to Clemson and eventually he has gone to SMU, it's not worked out for him. So he honestly, you know, does not have the love for the club that some of these other guys did. Now, I, I don't think to be fair to Judson, I don't think that he played for FC Dallas as long you know, but neither did Tanner. You know, Tanner's Tanner's got some more love because he came from some other place, and the and the club opened themselves up to him, and he lived with, uh, was it Reynolds? He lived with I can't remember who he lived with. He lived with somebody in the club, you know, somebody else's parents. So they, he has a stronger affinity and emotional attachment than some of the other guys who were probably local and probably played for Solar or whoever else at some point and jumped over or didn't. You know, and so had other options and had less of an affinity for the club. So it's not surprising that they have different tiers of admiration. One of the things, as I was thinking about this, these are all guys that are very young, you know, late teens, early 20s. And I do really believe that to a man, each of the three of them, when they are our age uh, in their 40s and 50s, will look back on their time with FC Dallas with amazing fondness. Like it'll be the best of times. But the conversation they have in present time in that that is also very specific, and I think they all agreed to this, that the thing that they really hold tightly to today in 2021 isn't their relationship with FC Dallas as a club as much as it is about the relationships that they built with their teammates uh, uh, you know, and how much they love hanging out with that group of guys and what those guys mean to them and not the brand itself. And I, I man, if you, if anybody's listening to this, you should go spend the 30 minutes or whatever it is of those guys talking about all that stuff. I, I think that's some great behind the curtain stuff. Everybody should dive into. Yeah. I think they develop affinity for each other, just like any of us did with the clubs that we played in, in for a long time as we were youths, you know, the quality of the level that they play at doesn't change that camaraderie you developed. If you played competitive sports at any level, you'll have developed that same affinity for people. You know, it's a pretty common characteristic of, of athleticism. You know, it's just nice to hear them talk about the way it all works inside the club. That's the best thing they have going is the insider takes. Well, the other set of opinions, and Dan, I'm really interested because this is kind of in your wheelhouse, the stuff that they really, I was shocked to hear these kids get into this was uh, they common conversations about marketing uh, and how the club doesn't market. And then even more specifically, the game day experience and the conversations about whether or not MLS fans actually are really into it in terms of supporting the club or they just out on a, you know, on a night for some fun and some real hard conversations about Dallas fans in particular, I thought was interesting. I'd love to hear your reaction, Dan. 
Well, I was I was equally shocked that you looped me in with forties and fifties on thirty five, you cheeky bugger. Um, no, I mean they, they were brutally honest. Uh, You're a British thirty five, by the way. <laughs> yeah, hard, oh, it was a hard background. I don't know either. Not, I just had to say something. <laughs> uh, no, they, they were totally right. Um, it's funny, you know. There's been a in the in the third degree Discord. There's kind of been a little bit of chatter about what that is you know what the soccer culture is here compared to other places and um they made a, a comment a tanner made a comment about um fc dallas that you kind of get the feeling that the team could lose real hard and 50 percent of the people would be totally unaffected um now you're not asking someone for their day to be completely ruined their week to be ruined but you want them to have some different emotion or feeling you know something different between a win a loss and a draw um but yeah you, you would see it you know time and time again uh people who are just disengaged from from fc dallas and oh the team lost okay let's let's go get let's go to jake's for burgers yay <laughs> i mean you know you should do a commercial for jake's and that should just be it right there I wish we could do commercials for Jake's. That'd be a great sponsor. Cool. You Dan, should approach him. Just, just Dan going, let's go to Jake's for burgers. Yay! Love Jake's, yeah. But Jake's is solid. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, to me, that's, uh, you know, that, that's that's the people that players hate. I mean, we've heard from guys like Michael Bradley who talk about coming to play in Frisco sucks because you don't get the energy off the crowd like you do in a Portland or an Atlanta or a Toronto LA. Well, they talk uh, about that in this too. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's hard on both sets of players um, to know that the people who are watching you like run your ass off, couldn't give a shit about it. You want that small wedge of people who are living, breathing and dying for everything you're doing uh, you know, and, and kind of giving as much physical exertion in the on a bleacher as you are on the field, they're, they're the people that kind of amp you up, right? That's at any level, from playing amateur to, you know, playing Premier League. Um, and at FC Dallas, that's, that's such a small minority. It's such a small minority in, in a lot of places. You have, like, you know, Portland, Atlanta, LAFC, I mean, even Austin. Um, where you have a large percentage of people who are engaged, who are creating that kind of buzz that that really can spur players on, and then you hey, get hey. what? Oh, but fuck! Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Damn it, Buzz! You made me drop an f bomb. Um, yeah, and then you get the uh, the wet blanket that is Frisco most of the time. Okay. And well, it, the funny to... thing is, uh, they actually mentioned one thing about having like chants on some of the video boards and stuff. Supporters groups have been fighting for that for years. Uh, FC Dallas would not do it. They totally refused to. They would make up dozens of different reasons. And then their compromise was to take something totally organic when the fans would do the uh, uh, deep in the heart of Texas in the 36th minute and like, yeah, we'll do that before the game. And then they turned it into a cartoon crappy thing. 
Yeah, Tanner makes a whole comment. Tanner makes a whole comment about how you know in da- you know in some clubs there's walls of fan, and in Dallas there everybody's just stuffed into a little wedge in the corner, and uh, the lack of. Well, I mean, and, and what's interesting is, is this is this is not the first time we've heard you know former or current players talk about this. Um, Walker Zimmerman talked about the lack of atmosphere at Toyota Stadium uh, prior to his departure before he went to L.A. So it's not this isn't new stuff, but it is interesting to hear. It's called Chum Chat. It's both an audio podcast and a video podcast, and you can find it all, if you just do a Google search for it. And that particular episode, I think, is the most recent one. Um, uh, and it's there's, you know, I look, it's, it, if you're a hardcore FC Dallas to the bone kind of guy, I will forewarn you that you may not go into this and come out of it feeling great because they're, it, it, you know, these are pe- players that you probably want to hear them say nothing but wonderful things about the club. It doesn't go that way. It's very honest and very real, uh, and they're very uh, genuine about it. And I think that's the value uh, in that particular production. Um, okay, so moving on, let's see. We've got playoff talk because that is about to start over the course of the next few days. And uh, Buzz, are we going to make predictions? Or are we just talking through these? It's just what we had set up. We would talk about, you know, I, I don't know if we wanted to go, if we need to do predictions or whether we just want to talk about like some storylines we think are interesting or whatever we want to do. I mean, yeah, we've got well, plenty of content today. I wasn't expecting. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think I've watched enough of these teams over the course of the season to, to feel like I can make fair predictions. And plus it's MLS playoffs. <laughs> it's, if you noticed, uh, there's absolutely, I'm going to drop his name again. There's no buzz about these playoffs this year. Like it, it was all the hype around New England winning the shield, the hype around Colorado kind of just coming from out of nowhere to, to win the Western conference regular season. And then, Nothing. I think it's because of the weird international break that separated yeah. the end of the season and this. I think it just it sucked all the momentum. But that's I think that's pretty consistent with the league. Hadn't that didn't this happen before? Yeah, I think I I don't remember the specific incidences, but I think we're just being distracted by the Mexico USA game. You know, Mexico Jamaica. Sorry, U.S. Jamaica game. Yeah, Canada Mexico game. That was just this consumed this week, and I think that next week you'll start to see the hype come back in for these games. Yeah. Okay. On the west side, it's Portland and Minnesota, Kansas City and Vancouver, and Seattle and RSL. Yeah. All of those, I'm sure all three of those matchups will be fun to watch. I'm sure all of these games, frankly, will be at least interesting in, in their own right. Yeah. The only thing I want to throw in there specifically is that that conference symbol feels pretty chalk to me. Portland got hot. Kansas City's good. Seattle's good. I think RSL at seven is the most dangerous of the lower seeds because they have guys like Crylock uh, that can, you know, do unusual things and win you a game. Um, so I find them the most dangerous of the lower seeds in that Western half. Also, if they win that game, Pablo Mastroni absolutely deserves that job. He does he, anyway. Yeah, he already but, deserves it, but yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. So yeah, playing for a guy who's coaching the factor there. I mean, they could they could be up for it. Seattle stumbled late in the season, even though they've gotten Jordan Morris back. You know, so there's some storylines in that game for sure. Am I am I incorrect in remembering or at least thinking that Mastriani's time was almost exclusively all Colorado, or did he play in Salt Lake too? I believe he played in Salt Lake too, but I would I'd actually have to look it up. I, I don't remember specifically it would just seem because of the rivalry between those two clubs the idea that a 
Colorado Rapids great, because that's my perception is that he's considered a Rapids great, would end up coaching RSL just all seems very weird to me, but uh, that would be one thing. And on the Eastern side, it's NYCFC uh, with Atlanta, Nashville, and Orlando, and Philly, and Red Bull. I have a feeling of these three matchups, it's the Nashville-Orlando one that's going to be the most interesting to watch. It would be, but Orlando, um, Nashville did not lose a single game at home. Uh, that, that's a really, really difficult place to play. They're very, very defensive. So that's a, I mean, that's the game I will want to watch because of Poppy. By the way, Pablo played uh, on 100 games for the Miami Fusion, 225 games for the Colorado Rapids, and nine games for the LA Galaxy. That's great. He left so he out his not... great career for the Tucson Amigos. Tucson Amigos, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Man, I forgot he started with the Fusion, the great Miami Fusion. Yeah, oh One my of the gosh. best teams ever in MLS history. God, oh, I loved that team. That 0-1 team was unreal, and oh, they got rel- folded. <laughs> they, they were so good. They were so good. Yeah. Oh, and Ray Hudson was such an awesome coach. He was so good for the yeah. league. Yeah. Uh, there's a great documentary on YouTube. If nobody's watched it, uh, Buzz, you should tweet it out sometime soon. Okay. Um, it's it, or put it in the show notes or something. It's such a good thing to watch about the Miami Fusion in the early days of Major League Soccer. Yeah. What a fart and flash in the pan, but what a great flash it was. Yeah. Um, okay. And now the other thing is interesting is is somehow speaking of Colorado, they will play the winner of Portland, Minnesota, on Thanksgiving Day. It turned out to be true. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't hate the idea of trying to establish Thanksgiving Day as some kind of football day, you know, trying to get in on that mix. You know, if you establish it now, even if you're going to get crushed by the NFL, as the league grows down the line, having had some sort of foothold on Thanksgiving, I think is fine. So you got to spread the games out anyway. There are people that hate the NFL. Give them something to watch. Give us ancillary programming. I'm okay with it. All right. Yeah, some big boy fox. I mean, they're doing something, right? Yeah. Uh, and I know we promised Kit Talk today. Do we have time to do Kit Talk, or do you want to talk? Save it for next week. We're at sixty minutes right now, but um, let's let's uh, let's we save promised, it for next week. Buzz. We, we, we promised. promised. Well, okay, let's do it then. All right. We love Kit Talk. Yeah. The reason why I wanted to bring it up last week was because. There was an interesting, uh, somebody sent you or you saw online, somebody had taken a picture of the, at least what they thought might be, the new Charlotte kit uh, when they come into the league next year. And you kind of made the suggestion that, hey, that's an interesting concept and design because if you just change the colors, you suddenly have a perfect replica of an old 1972 Dallas Tornado home jersey. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you set out to make a Tornado replica from that year, this is what you would get. I mean, it's 100% dead on for a modern replica for an old Tornado shirt. Now, I don't think that that's what they're doing. I don't think that FC Dallas has leaned into their Tornado that hard. We already have the NATO road jersey now that at least just has some of the colors with the powder blue. I, I don't think that the thing I tweeted is actually the Dallas jersey, but I just couldn't get past how on the money they were and how much sense it makes just looking at those particular images. Dallas has enough trouble giving us burn stuff, <laughs> let alone actually like a tornado throwback. But I mean, you know, as, as non-hoop jerseys go, it would be a good looking FC Dallas kit. I don't think there'd be a problem it would- with it. Well, it, it, for people who aren't familiar with the Tornado kit from 72, it almost looks like an, an old-school, stereotypical Arsenal shirt. 
white torso, white I mean, red torso, white sleeves, right? Yeah, with yeah, a yeah. collar. Yeah. And, and and what got my wheels spinning was the idea that well, they already have a tornado throwback, quasi throwback with the light blue, and if they were to make this their primary. Gosh, and suddenly I got to Googling, is there some sort of relationship of a, a big anniversary related to the Hunt's ownership of the Tornado, only to find out that the year that the Dallas Tornado won the NASL was 51 years ago. They won it in 1971. So while I would think that doesn't make sense, if they were to actually do it, that would be the most FC Dallas thing ever. It was to be celebrating the, uh... the anniversary the 51st year. Wasn't the World Tour nineteen sixty seven? I've got a I've got a whole book on my coffee table out in my living room about that. I think that's right, Dan. Yeah, I think it was sixty seven. Well, the, the red one. I have that. It, the red it, book. Yeah, yeah. It yeah, being I've got the, it signed by some by the, Renfro, I think. The championship oh, cool. being seventy one leans into the fact that they did the NATO jersey last year in or this but year they, but in twenty one. But they never even made. That I know. I know they like, didn't. That's so ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's just remember that they released a, a, a scarf in 2016 that said uh, Dallas Tornado 1960. No. In 2017, I think they said Dallas Tornado 1976. Or whatever it was. They got the year wrong and basically said. 50 years of soccer when the dates were actually 40 years apart. Yeah, I remember that scarf. Yeah. Yes, math yeah. is not their strong suit. Yeah, I, I, I do remember that the, the discussion of, uh, when, at one point there was a celebration of the 2016 uh, uh, Open Cup, and they were like, the first Open Cup the franchise has won. I was like, dude, come on. You know, <laughs> yeah. I talk about David Ferreira being the first MVP in club history. I was like, dude, come on. You got to look up this stuff. It's like this club's been around. I remember you replying to the uh, to the press release that had that on the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it was funny because when I when I started thinking about, well, goodness, is this some sort of like large scale plan to celebrate some big anniversary? <laughs> and then I realized that they actually released the blue jersey on the actual anniversary, the 50th anniversary of winning NASL, and they didn't comment on it. Like they never, they never eat. Like, does anybody in that building even know? Put those two things together. Well, that's why we, when we made the joke about the jersey, we called it the Ranger jersey because we were sure that nobody even remembered that powder blue was like a common tornado color. You know, and so I know. Well, they, now they to be fair, I don't kit, know. So there was no real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're just the ones that call the NATO kit. <laughs> well, and to be fair, I don't know that the tornado wore powder blue in 1971. I'm not because, by fair. the way, if you try to go find out what color it was, I can't find any color photos. You can see you can see like uh, team photos and starting 11 photos, but they're all in black and white or they're they, the red jersey. So they I definitely wore powder blue when they had the orange in the kits. Yeah, so I don't know. But anyway, all of that was pretty funny. And I guess, Buzz, the, what, you know, typically about this time of year, you, me, Dan, and a few other people that are really into trying to suss out what the new kit's going to be for the upcoming season, some things have been flipped on its head because I have had more than my fair, and I don't know if FC Dallas wants to hear this, but I, I, I've had my more than fair share of people that have voluntarily contacted me to say, hey, I was on some sort of panel or 
I, group that got invited to see the new jersey but i can't tell you anything about it because i've signed an nda so there's a there's a weird army of these people floating around that know what the new jersey look like and they want to tell us at least me that they've seen it but they won't give up the goods yeah it's not I, that i'm going to tell you publicly they gave up the goods yeah yeah i i, I feel the same i've getting the same kind of vibe um i have heard from multiple different people the term throwback used in various ways, which is one reason why we made this tornado joke. Um, but I don't think that means to the tornado. I think it means to the throwback of this club's history, you know, and that and the people that I know that have seen it have given sort of a thumbs up. It looks good. So, you know, I'm assuming throwback means some kind of early hoops or maybe like the, what we call the Dallas burn pen hoops, maybe that's the kind of vibe I'm guessing at at this point. And, or maybe it's the kind of vibe I'm hoping for at this point. Maybe I should put it that way, but you know, overall so far I'm getting a thumbs up. It looks good. We'll, we'll see what happens when we get closer. If we get some real leaks. Yeah. I have no idea the legitimacy of the people that have contacted me. And by the way, it's less than five people and the reaction to it. While nobody will give me any sort of details reaction has been everything from, I love it to, yeah, it's okay. So, uh, yeah. I guess uh, your mileage may vary, and I guess we'll find out soon. And uh, probably, you know, just per like every year, Dan will mock one up, and it'll end up looking exactly like it. Well, Dan knows the te- te- what's the template, Dan? Uh, they typically follow the uh, Adidas Condivo template. The uh, issue with that this season is the ones for 2020, the big, the big colors, which you know here had the three giant stripes. Everybody hated it, so uh, they released the 2022 jersey in 2021, and then released another. They're releasing another one for 2022, so uh, the templates are kind of all over the place. I think that's probably why uh, the Charlotte jersey is quite unique. Uh, that is, uh, by the way, 100% the jersey. Uh, Dicks uh, in Charlotte actually didn't realize that they weren't supposed to uh, hold on to it until December. Yeah, it has a lot of the little design elements like the secondary logos and a lot of like the little trim notes that they put on, on MLS jerseys. So, yeah, yeah it's and legit. the new uh, and the Aero Ready logo that's on the bottom of the jersey is changing this year and that's, that's reflected on that jersey. Uh, so yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one just because they had that weird rush of rush of designs and then knock on effects with you know pandemic affecting work and production and kind of how it's all gonna gonna go this year. It's probably going to be the most uh, most varied that we've seen in in quite some time. Hmm. Yeah, one thing we let your mind people love is that kit cycles is fifteen months roughly. So whatever kit we're about to get from FC Dallas, the new primary kit, probably mostly red. It got approved, you know, through the prototype stage in the middle of the 2020 season. So that means that like whatever, not only is that one done, that the new road one for 2023 has already passed the approval stage of the prototype part two, because that 15 months would have been the middle of this season. So that's how far out kit design is done. And it's the reason why things get screwed up so much because there's such huge supply chains to manage that you get these things like Dick's posting the, putting the jerseys on the rack a month early, you know, or some kid that works there, seeing them in the box in the back and taking a picture. I don't think that's what happened in this case, but you know, that kind of stuff is where you get in trouble with these leagues. 
Well, the optimistic portion of my heart uh, is leading me to believe that this will be the home jersey based on that two-year cycle that will follow the the concept that Dan drew up for you, Buzz, over two years ago of the navy blue and red thick hoops with white shorts mm. that we've repeatedly put up at third degree more times than not saying this is our dream kit. I am I'm going to continue to hold in my heart that's the kit we're getting. Uh, for the 2022 season, uh, because that's what I want. And uh, until I see otherwise, that's what I'm going to hope for. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I would hope for that as well. And it would make sense because it would just have been just over two years ago that Dan drew it. You put it up there and they went, hey, you know, Buzz is Buzz and Dan are on to something. Maybe we should do this. And then they submitted it to Adidas and Adidas said, kick ass. That's wonderful. Let's do it. And two years later for 2022, it's the new home kit. I believe that's a TX Miller design, by the way. That is jersey. It? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was Dan. Well, excuse me, Mike. Well, Dan's done mock-ups of it for us. And yeah. Various, yeah. I did okay. that article on different teams that had red and blue hoops before. Well, my apologies to uh, the great Mr. Miller for not giving um, the proper yeah. credit. He also so, did the uh, Bayern Munich FC Dallas matchup shirt. That's also his. Oh, that's Miller. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, uh, funny story the, about the, hoops. Okay. Um you know, I think we kind of talked before we started recording about um, the different patterns that they use. Uh, there are a bunch of new patterns um, that that they they've got for their kits that people can buy for their teams. Uh, MLS has a little bit more leeway uh, just because Adidas North America likes to kind of show off and show out with some of its designs. That's why FC Dallas has always had some pretty unique stuff. Uh, this uh, current home jersey aside, that was already uh, a river plate jersey. Um, but one of the main patterns they're going to use this year is some thick hoops, kind of like we'd uh, talked about in the past, having with that red and navy. Which uh, they've they've kind of gone on a weird tangent of patterned hoops, and now they're kind of now they're going back to like the traditional like you know hoops as as we knew them in the past. All right. Well, everybody say your bedtime prayers. Oh, that that's what we get for 2022 with white shorts, but with white shorts. Oh, yeah. oh. yes. <laughs> Red socks. Yeah. Uh, great segue, because don't forget, kids, third degree. The podcast is brought to you by Soccer 90, and that's a place to buy jerseys. And it's your source for all sorts of FC Dallas, U.S. national team and international club gear. Yes, as I said, jerseys, scarves, tees, and more. Oh, my. Third-degree listeners, you get 25% off all that stuff when you check out and use the code thirddegree at soccer90.com. Dan, Buzz, anything else you want to throw on the plate before we shut this one down? Man, that's a lot of stuff. I don't think there's anything left that I can think of. A post um, look, look at what we've done. We thought this was going to go on for like 23 minutes, and we got over an hour. Yeah, we didn't even get to the FC Dallas International games other than Pepe. Ah, that didn't happen anyway. <laughs> the, only, the only thing I want to say is that Acosta can, is not even like a lock starter for his country anymore. You know, I think that ought to tell us something about where his level is going forward. Should so, what should that say if he's actually still on the roster for 2022? Then, oh man, I hope not. Yeah, exactly. Go read my thing about whether they should rebuild the team. 
Oh, that yeah. By the way, if you haven't read that yet, uh, Buzz, congratulations. That's a good read. Uh, your kind of str- strategic thinking for 2022 yeah. FC Dallas. Um, I, I, I'm sure that's that's been. I'm sure there's printouts of it laying on the floor of the bathrooms <laughs> at Toyota Stadium. Yeah. Uh, and in Dan Hunt's personal off, uh, bathroom next to his office. Well, I try to be pragmatic about it. I try and think about the realities of the situation. I try to think about the contracts they can or can't get out of and how you could actually take a step forward with the club. You know, if you think the club is close, which they claim it is, I was like, how do you tweak it to make it better and get back in the playoffs? And so that's what I went with was how you do that. Quality stuff. Go read that. Go watch the Chump Chat video uh, and more. All right, Dan, thank you so much for your time this evening. Thank you. You're welcome. And Buzz, always, you're the best. Love you, bud. Thank you, sir. Pleasure having things here. Yep. All right. FC Dallas Curious Fan, we'll speak to you next week on another episode of F- uh, whatever we call this, Third Degree, the podcast. Patreon, subscribe now. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nap Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nap Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nap Podcast. Third Degree, the Third Degree Nap Podcast.